I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the We Are Jobs podcast. My name is Gabby Moley, CEO of Next Move Group, and today I have Jerry Jones. Jerry is the Economic Development Director for the city of Richmond, Texas. Jerry, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, Jerry, well, tell these folks a little bit about Richmond and some of your recent successes there. So Richmond, Texas is a small suburban rural community within the Greater Houston area. We're just north of the 99 loop. There are several different loops in Houston area. And so community is about 12,000 inside the city. And in our area that we may one day annex, it's somewhere around 30 or 40,000 total. So it's a small community, historic. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest city in the area. It was founded in 1837. None of us was here when that took place, (laughs) but it is a very historic city with a lot of the founding fathers and mothers of Texas. So the father of education to Jane Long to Moses Watson, who was a senator and one of the founders of Prairie View, just a long history of just historic people who have done extraordinary things that really make the fabric of Texas. Awesome. Well, I know a little bit about historic cities since I grew up in New Orleans, so yes. I definitely get that and the importance Absolutely. of all that. So I'm going to brag on you a little bit, Jerry. You were a recipient of that 2021 Economic Development 40 Under 40 Award. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how that went for you? It was fascinating. To be honest with you, I didn't know if I would even consider it until I uh, received an email that said you've been nominated for it. And I went, <laughs> okay, I either have really good friends, someone <laughs> professionally really has been paying attention and decided to recognize me. So 
I didn't even know that I had been selected, to be honest with you. <laughs> it got lost in the junk email oh my on my God. Yahoo account. <laughs> and I was just scrolling through one day and was talking to some friends at brunch. And I'm scrolling through my emails <laughs> and out pops. You've been selected as 40 under 40. I went, what? <laughs> so imagine being at the brunch table and everybody's sitting there calmly. You know, and everybody's looking. I went, I just got named 40 under 40 and I didn't even know it. It was really a cool experience. We did an online award show. And in doing the online award show, one of my friends, good friend of mine. He's a fraternity brother of mine. So we always tend to try to support each other whenever we accomplish things or work on successful opportunities. Well, he was in his car listening in on the awards mm -hmm. ceremony and they had to tell him to put his phone on mute. He was oh, like, no. I'm embarrassing my friend. <laughs> so Calvin was extremely excited, but it's one of those moments you'll never forget that <laughs> he had to be told on a call on the Zoom call to please mute your phone. So it was fun. Definitely. Yeah, I know that uh, that's a warning to all the listeners, I guess. Check your junk mail because you never know. <laughs> you never know. Up in there. <laughs> you never know. You truly never know. <laughs> well, that's really awesome. And could you tell us more, you know, about Richmond's success stories and any recent successes that you guys have had? So recently we've worked with legislative advocate team. That's the term I use to describe them. Some people would call them lobbyists. Uh, <laughs> and so... We've worked with them to try and get a hotel motel convention incentive package that the state has previously awarded to us, but we needed an extension due to COVID. And so we were successful in doing that. We've tried to do the most with little, being that we do have 12,000 citizens, that our city is only 4.6 square miles, but our ETJ is about 32 square miles. So we try to do our best with a little. We try to optimize that as much as possible. But the opportunities that we have here right now, we're working on revitalizing our downtown area. We do have a business owner who came in and moved his forensic computer business into the downtown Richmond area, purchased an old hotel, converted the top space into his office space, and then the bottom floor into retail. So we're constantly looking for creative ways to entice business owners who honestly may be tired of the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic in Houston, but still want to be close enough to Houston for their, you know, professional needs as well as their personal needs, but at the same time, be able to do it in a place that just feels like a small town charm with city amenities. So that's really the push for us at this point is looking at our target industries. We just actually received a new Houston Insider magazine that has our advertisement in it. We are beefing up our advertisement. We want people to know about the city. We want them to know that we are willing to get creative. Recently, we did a creative agreement with a developer to entice development on one of our business corridors. So we are constantly trying to identify ways to not just be relevant, but to be what I call substantial and to have a presence that means something that reflects honestly about who we are as a city, but at the same time compels interest in who we could be 
if that business or that citizen decides to invest in our community. Awesome. That's really great. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of marketing, a lot of advertising, a lot of work on all that. So I'm sure that you guys have been working hard and seems to be paying off. Absolutely. So let's kind of transition a little bit. Take us back to how you first discovered and stumbled upon this economic development world that we're all in. Wow. So I've been in economic development probably about the last 13, 15 years. It actually got started on the steps of the Louisiana State Capitol Annex. I applied, I took a stack of resumes. I was a student at Southern University and I said I wanted to do an internship at state government. Didn't matter, didn't care which department it was in. And so I went on to the annex building and I printed out like a hundred resumes and I'm walking door to door handing out my resume. <laughs> and I got a little discouraged because the question was raised to me quite a bit on who did you know? Like, did somebody send you here? <laughs> are you just mysteriously popping up at my doorstep? Like, who are you? And and I got a little discouraged. So I went outside and a lady saw me outside. She saw me throw my resumes in the garbage. Right? I, I was like, this is not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. I've gone and knocked on almost 50 or 60 doors. And I pretty much committed my whole morning to this endeavor. And I was like, you know, let me go back to campus and go eat at the cafeteria and just go be a student, right? Mm -hmm. And this lady looks at me and she says, well, you certainly look down. And I said, yeah, I tried to apply for some jobs, but no one's really, you know, taking the bait or what have you. So she says, well, grab one of those resumes out of the trash and come on back in here. And so I go back in and she stands in the middle of the hallway and she's talking to two people in the doorway. And she says, I know both of y'all need somebody. This gentleman is looking for an opportunity. And mind you, I didn't even know that those two doors were there because it was a hallway that I didn't even know existed at the time. And so one guy named Jack, he offered me $10 an hour. And the lady said, well, all I can afford to give you was 55 an hour. Wow. So I told her, I want to go and talk with him uh, <laughs> for the $10 an hour first. I said, but if I honestly don't feel like I'm up to the task or if I don't know what I'm doing in that regard, I still want to come and talk to you. So don't give up on me just yet. So I went and talked with him, ended up stretching myself because I didn't know much about computers at the time. And I ended up working for him. But when I would have free time, I would even volunteer off the clock to help her out with anything that she needed. And so putting a computer up all across the economic development department was the <laughs> department that I ended up in uh, working on computers, LED. Next thing I know, I ended up meeting a guy by the name of Mike Olivier. <laughs> so Michael Olivier happens to be the Secretary of Economic Development. Now, Mike will tell you, do not blame him. He will say a statement like this. If you like Jerry, well, it was all my fault that Jerry became an economic developer. If for whatever reason you may not care too much for Jerry, I don't know what he's talking about right. if he says that I'm the reason why he got an economic development. <laughs> That's so funny. So you literally stumbled into it. I mean, <laughs> so, yes. So that's what got me started. I ended up making a lot of different transitions, ended up going back home, working at the business incubator and from the business incubator, went on to become a city councilman where I chaired economic development, workforce development, public works, 
public safety and also the planning department as well. So it was at the age of 29 that I ended up becoming a city councilman. And from there, my career in economic development really took off. After that, I ended up going to Lake Charles and the deal that I asked from the director at the time was, could you pay for me to go and get trained in economic development? I didn't want to be a politician who just kind of fell into economic development. I wanted to take the profession seriously. And in doing so, they were able to allow me to go to the University of Oklahoma for Economic Development Institute. And I went to the University of Southern Miss for the basic certification in economic development. And through the planning district, I was also able to go to Harvard for an authentic leadership program. So each step kind of took me through this whole little maze, so to speak. And next thing I know, I found myself in St. John the Baptist Parish. Now, the interesting thing, Gabby, is is that Mm -hmm. two weeks into me being in St. John the Baptist Parish, I get a call from Baton Rouge North Economic Development District. And I'm actually moving boxes into my office in the middle of the call. And I'm going, I can't leave here. I just got here. I'm moving boxes in. So uh, two years later, I get a call from the same person asking me, do I still love St. John? And I'm like, of course. But what are you proposing? And reason being is the parish president at that time was getting ready to leave office. I had to not assume that the next leadership would keep staff. So I had to start thinking about an exit strategy. So I ended up going to Baton Rouge North and then the pandemic hit and we had a really, I'm going to use the term interesting time working with small businesses who really didn't know what in the world was going on and why it was going on. But we actually had about 19 small businesses get started in the middle of the pandemic, which I thought was brave, fascinating. I think it really speaks to not just the Baton Rouge community, not just Louisiana, but just America. We tend to respond to adversity in a way that says, you're not going to run me off and you're not going to scare me. I'm going to dig in even more so to address or fix a problem. So it all led me here to Richmond because of this opportunity to work in this community and to work in the greater Houston area, Fort Bend County area, but more importantly, Richmond. And it's really been fun this past year working. We have a really good team here in Richmond, something that I will tell you, you don't know how important it is to have a good team until you have one. (laughs) So then you don't want to lose it after you have it. So it's fortunate. I'm very fortunate to be in this position and to be able to work so closely with a team of folks, a city staff that really cares about the city, the community and the business alike. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make 
for me to not put my bills and stocks on a nationwide database. Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Yeah, and what you mentioned about small businesses in the United States, I would say that definitely throughout the pandemic, you know, they've just proved to be really resilient with everything that's been thrown at them. And absolutely, you know, I mean, it's hard. I mean, we're a small business, so we get it. You know, it's absolutely. definitely something that you have to work on constantly. And then when a pandemic's thrown at you, there's a whole other can of worms. So correct, it's already hard <laughs> just without a pandemic. Now you're adding a pandemic to it; it just gets even more. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So as economic developers, you know, we wear many hats. So what would you say that you love the most about your job? So when I was young and I'm talking 29, 28, I used to love to be in the photo ops. The photo ops were the thing that I really enjoyed the most. At the age of 38 now, I hate taking pictures. (laughs) I really do. I have quite a disdain for it, believe it or not. Now, for me, when I go in the grocery store, I'm not a normal millennial. I don't like to get my groceries delivered to me on the front steps. I like to go into the grocery store. I like to stand in line and watch people. And I know that sounds crazy, but to see kids go up to something and pick something up and their parents be able to afford it, to be able to say, you can have it, to have that disposable income, that's what it is really about. It's not to me about how many, you know, expansion deals you're able to get. Those are nice. They're really nice. They get you nice little awards with the little tower things on top of the awards or the little macho man with the, Mm -hmm. you know, the muscle, whatever awards. That's great. But for me, it's really seeing families at the stores, at the restaurants, being able to have disposable income to provide for their families. And I think that that's the thing that has kept me these last five years in economic development is is simply being able to see that occur. Mm -hmm. So that kind of ties into my next question a little bit. So kind of tell us how you grew up and, you know, what built the foundation that you have and for all the success that you've had so far. I grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana. My grandmother raised me along with my mom, along with my aunt. But I've always had access to all of my family members, right? I've lived in this ecosystem where family was always available. Like even on my dad's side of the family, it was nothing to see my family and to be able to connect with them. So all of my family members considered me to be the smart kid. (laughs) And so I never really got pushed or challenged to do more than what I was already doing. And so for the longest, I started to feel as though I was not doing enough. And I still, believe it or not, that is still something that I wrestle with at times. Even after the 40 under 40, I walked away going, yeah, this was nice, but 
I got to do more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you know, the guy that my grandmother worked for, he really, really, really took the time to instill a lot of values in me and give me, I call it the future stock report, right? The heads up on what I could expect as I continue to grow as a young man. So I found myself emulating him quite a bit. I find myself seeing bits and pieces of both grandmothers. My great grandmother's still alive. She's 94. You know, she remembers her first grade school teacher. Having that type of ecosystem around you and being able to ask, you know, questions and just interview family to, in short, Gabby, there are some people who, when they get told that the stove is hot, (laughs) they still want to go and touch it. I've never been that guy. For me, I want to sit down and ask you a question as to how. How did you get here? And what were your thoughts? And I've always seeked leadership and advisement, always. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always gone for the answer. I wanted to know why. I was voted most inquisitive in my teen years because I always wanted to know why. You tell me something, you know what the next question is getting ready to be (laughs) after that. Why? And so that has always fed me. It's always fed me. I mean, just... From a toddler on up, I've always wanted to know the why behind the situation. And I think that that's what helps me in my profession as an economic developer, because you have to go beyond what's just sitting in front of you. You have to go and try to find the why. And unless you're willing to do that, you will oftentimes get caught slipping because somebody will ask you a question and they want to know the why behind it. And if you don't know it, well, how are you talking me into this direction? <laughs> if you don't know, then why would I support this move? If I had to give any advice, searching for the why is going to always allow you to identify the what. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way it operates in our profession. Definitely. I know that Chad's mentioned to us many times that in economic development, you basically have to know a little bit about a lot of things always. Yes. <laughs> Even as a kid before I went to college, I worked at Sears Optical. I was an optician. I did eyeglasses. I sold <laughs> shoes at Foot Locker and Finish Line. I was a landscaper. When I talk about <laughs> the guy that my grandmother worked for, I would go to his farm and I would cut acres of grass. I know every tree and shrub and flower that you would see in most lawns and in most (laughs) landscaping in today's time because he taught me all of it. So you really do need to have a hodgepodge of just different skill sets and knowledge base in order to make the most out of this profession. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you mentioned that, you know, you like to definitely use mentors and things like that. And, you know, who was the biggest influence on your career? I cannot say it's just one. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> That's all good. I can't because my grandmother propels me. I could sit here and tell you that I don't still strive to get her blessing and her approval, but I would be telling you a story. Um, <laughs> the guy that, you know, she worked for, Mr. Hart, I still hear the propeller. Hey, come on, you can do better than this. Um, you know, the Michael Olivier's of the world, the Ronnie Bryant's, believe it or not, it's his resume that I found that I copied 
I literally took his resume and I tried to replicate everything that he had accomplished in the academic background because I'd have to work several decades before I could get to the level of Ronnie Bryant. But Jim Clinton over at CLETA, just so many people that have really poured. Joseph Page, who was one of my first supervisors coming out of college, who really shared with me, I'm going to either make you the best employee or I'm going to make you the best future employer. He still has an impact on how I carry out business. So I'm sorry, I couldn't just name one. It's so many. I am blessed to have quite a few mentors. And the funny part about it is I still have about 10 of them I can think of right now that have not named. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. Hello, everyone. Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week, we're going to spotlight the Temple Texas Economic Development Corporation and their search for a senior vice president. Temple Texas is located 45 minutes north of Texas's capital and is a launch pad for companies at the crossroads of I-35 and the planned I-14 slated to run from El Paso, Texas to Georgia. The city of Temple is an easy sell since it's ripe with infrastructure combined with competitive costs. Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio are all just within a three-hour drive of Temple, Texas. The senior vice president will report directly to the president and CEO and is responsible for executing and enhancing Temple EDC's overall marketing and business development strategy. This job closes tomorrow, February 4th at noon, so send your resumes ASAP. And to learn more, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Temple or contact Brittany McCoy with The Next Move Group with any questions. So, you know, economic developers, we have interviewed many of them through our podcast and our movement podcast. So we'd like to ask them kind of what are their daily habits that they think make them successful, whether that be waking up really early to get all certain things done or putting your phone on airplane mode or working late with a scotch or a glass of wine or something like that. So what do you think are some daily habits that make you successful? I think for me, making the thought Okay, so my thought process on that is when I come to work, no matter what, how I may be physically feeling or mentally feeling or what have you, telling everyone in the office good morning and actually being joyful about saying that I think it sets a standard of excitement for your colleagues. I think that that really helps set standards. It creates a feel in the office that people start off with saying, okay, it is going to be a good morning. I think the willingness to listen, that is something that I'm trying my best to work on as I continue to grow in my profession. I think listening to people and recognizing that you're not always the smartest person in the room. Now at 38, I strive to not be the smartest person in the room. In fact, If I find myself in a room where I think I'm even closely slated to be the smartest person in the room, I find a way to get out of there Um, (laughs) because they definitely need someone smarter than me in the room. Uh, So (laughs) we might actually create some dangerous situations if I'm the smartest person left in the room. And to care. Oh, my goodness. That's so important. You cannot serve in this capacity if you don't care about people. Get out. Get out of it. Just <laughs> just submit your resignation today. If you honestly don't care 
about the advancement of communities and about people and the willingness to listen to them. You can go and again, put a thousand jobs into the market. But if you didn't hear that parent who feels like they're incapable of getting that job because they've had some prior arrest situations and you don't sit and take the time to hear that, then you won't think to start going after employers who may offer second chances. If you don't listen, you'll never think about those things. Mm -hmm. And so caring is important. Listening is important. And setting a positive attitude of just simply saying good morning to folks, it sets the tone and it changes the outlook of how people's day goes at times. Definitely. Well, that also ties into my next question. So we have a lot of young people that listen to this podcast. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received in the industry that you'd like to tell the listeners? So... I just got through listening to an interview from Dr. Kimbrough, who's the president at Dillard, and he's interviewing for a job at my old alma mater, Southern, today. And he said that the biggest problem that he finds that he heard a guy say was that a professor was teaching chemistry, but not the students. And it's the same thing. If you don't find a mentor that's going to teach you, then you shouldn't work underneath them or learn underneath them because you can open up a book and find out about economic development. How does that economic development profession apply to who you are as a person? You may not feel comfortable going out and attracting small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have a problem with helping them fill out grant applications, or you may not have that personal touch to be able to go out and do talent attraction or try to lure that business in but you do really, really well on the back end office uh, work where you're getting all the information for the site selectors to take interest in your community. Your personality may fit that unsung hero approach, but you have to find mentors to get under that see where you are and who you are and bring the profession to you and not try to take you to the profession. Because that's when you find yourself unhappy and then questioning whether or not you should even be in this line of work. So I believe in paying it forward. I've always made myself available. Should younger people that are younger than me need mentors, I've always made myself available because that same opportunity was afforded to me. You know, I mentioned Ryan Bryan, but Anytime I could email him and say, I'm feeling this way about this profession, I'm thinking this way, he'll respond and give me his honest opinions, honest thought. Same thing with Michael Olivier, you know, he'll do the same thing. There's so many people that, again, I'm fortunate to be able to have been underneath their wings and be able to ask those critical questions and grow from it. So that would be my biggest advice that I would tell anyone. Again, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go into another room. <laughs> you absolutely need to go into another room because you need to be around folks that can mentor you to serve or to be under someone who may have been in the profession longer than you or may have better insight is not really a bad thing because it's a protective shield for quite a while. You know, most birds that tend to be younger, they fly underneath the wings of the older bird. And it's not just merely because, oh, it's a pecking order. No, it's a protective shield at times. 
So just think about that when you're wrestling with whether or not you should go and get a mentor or should you, you know, always seem like you're calling, seem like you're being negative about your career choice. No, I promise you, people have been there before you Mm -hmm. and they will be there after you. But the smart thing to do is to always reach out and connect with folks who can mentor you. Definitely. I love that advice. Well, as we wind down, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners that I didn't get a chance to ask you? Never give a reformed politician a microphone because we will talk for hours. (laughs) You're probably going to have to condense this quite a bit. So, (laughs) No problem. (laughs) All right, Jerry. Well, tell the listeners a way to reach you. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Jerry W. Jones Jr., You can follow all of our social media platforms, Development uh, Corporation of Richmond. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn. City of Richmond is on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook. All of our social media platforms, you can follow us on. Again, LinkedIn. I check my direct messages all the time. Um, More than available should you guys have any questions or thoughts or ideas. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thanks for being on our show. Thank you so much as well.